We're going on a bear hunt. We're gonna catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not tired. They got a bear. Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. It has been a couple of weeks and that's because I've been busy. I've been uh, chasing bears and uh, trying to do that while simultaneously uh, taking care of all my responsibilities here at home, you know, with the little ones and my wife and getting ready for the new baby and whatnot. So... Uh, I made a post on Instagram a few days ago, letting folks know that I did end up being successful in harvesting a black bear this year. That makes it my second year in a row that I've gotten a black bear on public land here in Arkansas with my bow. And man, it's, it's the most popular post I've ever, I've ever put up, uh, even with, you know, Instagram, not, uh, or the algorithm on Instagram, not prioritizing photos, everybody wanting reels and whatnot. I just, I just put a photo up there, and yeah, I mean, like far and away, uh, the most most likes on a post, the most comments uh, I've ever gotten. Uh, got some DMs about it. Just people seem to be excited about it. So I thought what I might do because this has kind of been a, a long process for me. Uh, four seasons ago, I decided I was going to. Uh, give myself the the goal of getting a black bear on public land here in Arkansas. And uh, that first year, you know, did not happen. Uh, Second year, I got busy with other stuff and didn't really hunt. And then last year I was able to, and uh, this year I was able to. This year feels like it was actually, uh, it actually felt like a success because last year, I mean, I just happened to cross a bear. Uh, This year, I, you know, made a plan beforehand. I'd eliminated a lot of places that bears weren't. Uh, I went to these places. I I found bears. I saw bears every single day. Uh, Had a mishap uh, one day and then was able to to get a bear uh, last week, uh, you know, just a little bit before dark. And, uh, you know, did the work in the dark and packed it out and came back and got the rest of it and packed it out and got home about 1230 in the morning. So I thought what I would do is just give you all like pretend we're sitting, you know, around a campfire, uh, maybe drinking some cold beers. And uh, I'll just tell you the story of how it went, you know, what bear season was like this season. So, uh, I, initially I had the intention, well, actually, let me, 
let me step back a little bit. If you have uh, heard some of the previous podcasts, I did one with Myron Means, who is the large carnivore, large carnivore biologist here in Arkansas. So that does include mountain lions, uh, but pretty much it means he's the bear biologist, and he has been, I think, for the last couple of decades here in Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas was once known as the, the black bear state. Uh, this was a place that people came to, uh, to to hunt black bears because we had such a large population of them. Uh, but because of, you know, just hunting, market hunting, and habitat destruction, I mean, pretty much all of Arkansas was clear cut at one point uh you know they, they say that at the peak we had about fifty thousand black bears you know say in the 1800s before european settlement of the the territory the now state uh and then i believe in the the early part of the 1900s I, I, there's a guy named trustin holder that did a survey i can't remember exactly when that was i'm Maybe the 30s or the 40s, something like that. But they say we had about 50 black bears left. That was down in the the lower White River drainage, basically like the swamps and stuff. There was a you know a handful of bears left. Uh, in the 50s, Arkansas did some wheeling and dealing uh, with Minnesota and a province in Canada, and they basically. Those places would trap nuisance black bears. Uh, Arkansas would send some folks up with a cage in the back of a pickup truck, and they'd pick up the bears and bring them back down and release them. And, you know, after about 30 years or so, we had enough of a population that they opened up a hunting season. I believe for the first 20 years or so, uh, it was it was just like spot and stalk. There was no baiting allowed. Uh, and then in the early 2000s, they just the population had grown to the point that they needed to be able to take more bears out every year to keep the population in a manageable, uh, you know, or have a manageable uh, population of black bears. And so that means that, you know, this is a state now that even though it's Arkansas is comparatively to a lot of other states, you know, it's not incredibly uh Thickly habitated. I think we've got about two and a half million people in the entire state of Arkansas, uh, which, you know, there's plenty of cities that have more people than that. But still, because of the number of people, because of agriculture, you know, because of all sorts of infrastructure, like we'll never be able to uh, have a population of 50,000 bears again. It's just not, it's not, if you, if you did that, you'd have bears getting hit on the road all the time. You'd have them in people's yards. You, you just have all sorts of problems with people, human, uh, animal interactions. So, uh, they have for the last 20 years or so, they have, uh, made it legal to, uh, have bait sites for bears. And, uh, you know, that's probably how most of the, the bears get killed in Arkansas, uh, largely up in Northwest Arkansas, because there's, a lot of national forests up there. You're dealing with the Ozark National Forest. But that's a, a lot of private inholdings there. Lots of people have, you know, 40 acres or 100 acres or 10 acres within the national forest there. And, you know, the national forest is where a large population of those bears are at. And so uh, people 
uh, you know, can uh, can put together a bait site that's an added attractant for bears to come in, and a lot of bears will get harvested that way. Uh, I've been hunting in the Wachita Mountains, which is going to be uh, more southerly in the state. So we're, you know, they kind of start a little bit west of Little Rock, which is located in the central of the state, central part of the state, and then that mountain range runs uh, into uh, southeastern Oklahoma as well. Uh, but so anyway, that's just kind of like that's that's kind of the basis we're we're dealing with. There's a couple different bear zones. So up in northwest Arkansas, that's going to be zone one. They have quotas for archery season and muzzleloader and modern gun on black bears in that zone because that's where most of the bears are going to be harvested. So up there, you know, every day uh, you're supposed to call and check and see how many bears are left on the quota, uh, depending on whatever season it is. And uh, But I've been hunting down in zone two, the Wachita's, which there is not a quota because much, 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 uh, uh, th there's just much less harvest of bears in that region. Uh, the Wachita's do not have the private inholdings uh, in near the number that uh, the Ozarks do. So that's kind of that kind of sets the stage uh, for what we're doing here. Uh, this year, bear season started. Normally, bear season starts uh, concurrent with archery deer season, which is uh, archery deer season. Here in Arkansas this year started this past weekend, which would have been, let me tell you, so that would have started on the 24th. So normally that's when bear season would start as well. And you can hunt bears with whatever method is legal to hunt deer with uh, at that time of year. But this year they did something different where they started bear season, archery bear season, uh, one week early, which... I'll tell you what, I think that, that, that made a huge difference for me because it cut down on the number of people that were out there in the woods. I, I did actually encounter uh, some folks, but there weren't, there weren't really like a ton of people out in the woods yet. Uh, so the bears aren't being pressured. They're not getting stepped all over. People aren't encroaching in there yet. It's really, you know, still relatively here in the South. It's pretty, pretty early in the hunting season. Uh, so that first day of season was September 17th and that whole week or definitely for the first four days or so, man, it was hot. You know, we're talking about highs in the high nineties, heat indexes, well over a hundred. Uh, and th that's an added challenge because, you know, you're, you're trying to, the whole point of hunting, uh, well, let's not say the whole point. A large uh, part of the reason to hunt is for the meat. You know, this is a food source. I'd be lying to you if I told you it's the only reason to hunt because there's all these other uh, intangible reasons that I've talked about before, right? I mean, there's a there's a personal validation. Um, there's a, depending on what kind of hunting you're doing, you know, it might be camaraderie. It might be a sense of tradition or culture. It might be a, a way to challenge yourself. All sorts of different reasons. But, you know, you're going to kill a, a large animal like a bear. Uh, just the absolute worst thing that could happen would be for 
that meat to spoil on you because it's so hot and you're not getting it uh, cooled down quick enough. So that's like an added stress, right? Like you really want to put an efficient shot on that animal. You want to be able to recover it quickly. You want to be able to start processing that animal like immediately and get it cooled down. And I mean, I learned that last year, like I was on that bear five minutes after I shot it, I heard it moan, uh, or do the death moan, which sometimes bears will do when they expire. And so I knew it was done for, uh, I saw where it crashed in the trees and I ran up on it five minutes later and you know, there's already flies on it. There's already uh, yellow jackets on it. Uh, that was at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was 96 degrees and I was hustling to, uh, you know, get it gutted, get the hide off, uh, start getting it quartered up, uh, even started, uh, started to debone it at that point, uh, just to try and let that heat dissipate a little bit. Uh, so anyway, I'm going into my bear season this year with all that in mind. I had been uh, doing some like Onyx or Google Earth scouting beforehand and taking a look at where I had been, where I'd found bear sign. I really had not found just a ton of fresh bear sign in the last few years. Uh, I had gotten to the point where I could recognize, you know, where a rock had been rolled or a, a log had been torn up by a bear looking for insects to eat. But I you know, all that kind of sign I'd found was, was, you know, pretty old. Uh, I had found four seasons ago, I, I had found a, a patch with just a ton of, you know, pretty fresh bear scat, you know, from within a few days where bear had just been wearing out black gum berries. But I, you know, I tried to hunt that place a few more days. I never saw saw anything. I never saw any more fresh sign. I'm pretty sure that I got in there and just, I made so much noise getting into it. It was a hard to reach place. And I think I made so much noise trying to get to it and stunk it up so bad that I, uh, you know, I, I just kind of ruined my chance there. So I had been really focusing on, uh, as I did my, you know, internet scouting, really focusing on uh, finding places that were not so brutally hard to get to as far as the steepness factor, because, you know, I wanted the bears to be able to be in there and be comfortable. Uh, and what I really was keen in on was I was looking for saddles, you know, and the saddle is going to be the, like the low spot between two high spots. So I was keying in on that stuff. And then what also happened that was really helpful is on Onyx, you know, they're constantly refreshing their imagery and updating the information they have. And uh, the most recent uh, satellite imagery they had, uh, the satellite images I had of this area before were during uh, summertime. So everything was green. This took place, this last most up, uh, up-to-date picture took place uh, in either the fall or the winter. And what that allowed me to do was very clearly see, you know, the spots that were green. Those were coniferous trees, you know, so we're talking about pine trees, evergreens. Uh, 
and the places that were brown, those were going to be deciduous trees. And I knew that in this area from being up there, that those deciduous trees are largely going to be uh, oak trees. There's going to be some hickories in there, uh, black gums. Uh, and I mean, there are some maples and some other stuff like that, but you know, largely we're going to be dealing with, uh, the vast majority of that is going to be oak trees in that area. What I've seen is primarily white oaks, which is great because that's, you know, the preferred food source, uh, in the pre torpor time for black bears, you know, and, and torpor is really the state that they go into. They don't go into a true hibernation. They go into a, a state of torpor, which is just kind of slowing down. They can be roused from that sleep. Uh, and they do sometimes wake up, you know, scrounge around a little bit, maybe get a drink of water and then go back to sleep. So I was able to can on those areas, uh, try to find places where I knew there were deciduous trees where I knew there were some saddles. It wasn't so th steep you know that I mean, some of those places I was just going down. Uh, they call them scree slides, but you know, just broken up shale. I was having to slide down on my butt, just really dangerous, actually. Uh, and so, I had done that ahead of time. My initial plan was to get out there uh, on Friday, the day before season started, and scout, and then be ready to hunt on Saturday morning, just because of family obligations and. Uh, whatnot i was kind of behind on getting my gear ready and so you know four o'clock on friday came around and i was still getting my gear together and getting the truck loaded up and so i you know just told marianne i was like look i'm just gonna get up super early and uh drive up there in the morning there, there's no point in going up there now my initial plan was to camp i had a couple of camp spots marked there in the national forest i was going to camp at night just you know little tent, very simple, had some food, bunch of water, and I was going to camp there in the woods at night and then hunt all day. Uh, and that actually did not happen. And I really think that I, I found uh, a good kind of happy medium uh, that helped me to be successful. So uh, I did not get out there first thing in the morning on Saturday. I, I didn't actually end up getting out there until about two o'clock in the afternoon. So it was the heat of the day, but th I mean, there was nobody else out there, uh, on, in the mountains that I was hunting, there was, there was nobody else around. So, uh, I stopped at one place that I had marked, you know, four seasons ago and that I just had never been in and really taken a look at. And if you've, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of this, but, uh, maybe you don't. So I'll just kind of describe it anyway, but I, park my truck. I walk into the woods. I really don't get that far from where I've parked my truck. You know, I can't see my truck anymore, but I'm not far from it. And, uh, I hit an Oak tree and it's the first time where I found, you know, it was just slapped me in the face, just evidence that a black bear had been there very recently. Uh, and I knew that because there were Oak leaves and small broken off branches from an oak tree kind of in a semicircle around this around this white oak tree when i got up on the white oak tree you could see where it had been scratched and a bear had been climbing up in it what, what bears will do before those white oaks are ready to fall but the branches are loaded up those bears will actually climb up in the trees and crawl around on the branches and just eat 
those acorns out of the trees. And while they do that, you know, they're big animals and they're breaking branches and stuff's falling down. And so the ground becomes littered with leaves and branches and acorns. And uh, I was like 95% sure, like I'd only heard about this before. I'd never actually seen it. Uh, and I was 95% sure that was a case, but I had started looking around because I wanted to find bear scat because that would confirm for me beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was, this was bear activity. And I, I found it pretty quickly and I started just walking circles in the area, you know, scouting around, looking for sign. And I found rocks that had been rolled. Bears will move rocks, you know, like basketball sized or bigger than that out of the way to, to get to insects and grubs and whatnot that are living underneath those rocks. Uh, I found evidence of that. I found logs that had been ripped up uh, and it's, it's pretty easy to tell the difference between a, a log that's been ripped up and scratched open by a bear and say like an armadillo. Uh, a few years ago, it was not so easy for me, but I mean, if you find a decent sized log that just looks like it's been exploded, that's a black bear. You know, in black bear ter territory, that's a black bear doing that. Uh, same thing with finding holes. You'll find places where bears have have dug up. You know, they're they're chasing a yellow jacket nest uh, or like you know ground dwelling bees and stuff. And they'll dig those nests up and and eat the larvae and you know whatever sort of honey might be in there. And like armadillos are all over the woods too, but the holes they make are going to be very small. The the holes that a black bear makes, you know, might be, I mean, they're usually not enormous, you know, maybe about the size of a basketball or so. But, you know, just through process of elimination and seeing a lot of what was not black bear sign, I started being able to pick up on it quick. And also what confirms that for me is that I was finding pile after pile after pile of bear scat. Now, none of the scat that I found that first day, like just screamed that it was from that day. Uh, I mean, we're just going to talk about this real life. You know, black bears, usually they just got like a big splat. It looks like, you know, a soft serve machine has been operating there. And you can determine how long it's been there by taking into account the weather. So it's been very hot and dry, which is going to accelerate the drying out of it, right? Uh, and so like this stuff will have like kind of just like a black crust on top and then, you know, you do what you got to do. So pretty much every pile I came across, I would kick it open or hit it with a stick or something. And, you know, you could see, you get two things, two forms of information from doing that. One, you know, if it's still soft inside, you know that you're dealing with that being dropped a matter of days ago, not weeks. And you can look inside and see what they're eating. And 95% of the piles I was finding, it was plain as day they were eating acorns. Uh, I mean, it just looks like it just looks like a big pile of chunky peanut butter, basically. So I knew what they're eating. I had evidence that they were up in the trees. I knew from the scat I was finding that they were that there was at least a bear in the area. Uh, and I had further confirmation that that bear was eating acorns. And so I was super excited. I was super enthused. I think maybe that first day I found close to 20 piles of scat, which is a ton. I mean, in these areas, I mean, you're dealing with low density. This is a low density animal. You know, like a, you might be dealing with the numbers that I've always heard 
or that you might be dealing with one bear per square mile or something. So uh, I check that area out for a couple of hours, and then I go and check another area out, uh, a spot that I had marked in 2019 that was a water hole. So I went into that water hole, checked it out, and there, just plain as day, there was just a beat-down, wore-down trail uh, to that water hole. This was not far off the road either. Uh, I mean, like to the point that I, I, had to, I measured it to make sure that it was far enough away that you could legally hunt it. And, uh, and when I say a road, I'm, that's, a, that's a loose, loose use of the word. This is, a, this is like a dirt road, barely more than a forestry trail. Uh, up in the mountains, but nonetheless, I get in there and it's just plain as day that bears are going in here, uh, or probably have for a long time. Uh, they've worn down a path, uh, to drink water, this little water hole. And there were bear tracks in the mud next to it. And that's something like you don't see bear tracks unless it's a deal like a water hole. Uh, you find deer tracks usually all over the place cause they've got that hard, pointed hoof but you know a bear's got a big soft padded uh, foot so you're only going to see those those tracks in something like the soft mud around a water hole and this was really man just like a pretty place i got there probably about six o'clock in the evening the sun was starting to go down it was quiet it was a little cool cooler there and i said man this this is where i want to hunt but uh and I kind of failed to mention this before, like everybody in my house was kind of sick uh, the last few days, you know, leading up to bear season. So I was kind of sick. I had a sore throat, uh, just felt crummy after hiking around the woods all day. I was just like worn out and exhausted. And I decided that what I would do is drive back home, you know, several hours away. But I figured, man, I'll drive back home. I'll sleep in my bed tonight. If I, you know, give myself a chance to feel better, if I wake up and I feel crummy, I'll know that I need to take a few days off. Uh, hopefully I get a little bit better. So I end up going home, uh, went to sleep, woke up, felt quite a bit better. But I just said, man, you know, it doesn't really make sense to drive back out there today. I'm here at the house. The, the kids had a sleepover. They had their friends there. So I just got up when I got donuts. Uh, did dad stuff on Sunday with the plan that I would go back on Monday with the expectation, you know, like hunting pressure is going to be much higher on the weekends. And, you know, I'm purposely hunting a place that doesn't get just a ton of pressure, at least this time of year. Uh, but I figure, man, there won't be anybody up there. I go up there Monday, there won't be anybody up there. So Monday, I get a little bit later start than I had anticipated and I get up there about, I think I got up there about 9.30 or so. And I'm driving. Uh, my plan is to hunt that water hole. And uh, I get up on the mountain and I go to this little spot. It's not even really a, it's not like a parking spot or anything, just a spot that's wide enough for the road to park. Uh, you know, several hundred yards away from where you would enter to get to that water hole. And there's a truck there. So that's a, you know, I was definitely frustrated. 
Uh, and I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect anybody to be there. But, uh, you know, that's kind of part of the deal, right? Like I knew this place was not far from the road. Uh, I knew I was not the only person that knew about this water hole. Uh, someone was thinking the same thing that I was thinking. So you, you got an option there, right? I guess technically you have an option, although there's one right thing to do. Now, this is public land. You do have the option of saying, well, I'm going to go on into where I wanted to hunt. You know, like by law, you could you could go in there and see somebody and set up, you know, 20 yards away from them. Uh, and, you know, especially when it comes to public land duck hunting in Arkansas, that's a problem uh, that people will do stuff like that. Uh, you know, specifically places like that get a lot of traffic, like Bayou Mita or Hurricane, those sorts of WMAs. But, I mean, there, I don't want someone doing that to me. It's, I've never done that to anybody, and I wasn't going to start that day. So I said, man, I'm going to go and check out uh, some other places. You know, I looked on the topographic map. I said, man, this might be promising. Uh, let me examine over here. So I go away. You know, find uh, a place far enough away from there that I can put the truck that I know I'm not going to be encroaching on that guy's stuff. Because, I mean, I guess he could have been anywhere, but I was pretty sure uh, whoever was hunting was going to be there at that water hole. And I went someplace else. And as soon as I start creeping around, I find bear scat. And I'm climbing around, and I find a pawpaw patch, which, you know, pawpaw is a, a native North American fruit. Uh, they, you know, I actually have not eaten one yet, but you know, they, they get compared. They talk about how it tastes like a tropical fruit. Like it's a mix between a banana and a mango and, uh, you know, bears will absolutely wear those out. So I find a nice pawpaw patch, no fruit there, but worth knowing it's there. And there's also a bunch of black gum. So, you know, I make a note uh, of where that is and that's something to investigate later. Um, I'm exploring and looking and I'm starting to kind of get a feel for how a bear is moving through this. Right. So I'm kind of following my instincts, like what makes sense. And then I'll find some more bear scat. And, you know, I'm, I really feel like I'm getting into the mindset uh, uh, of a bear. So I get up on the top of this, uh, this knoll, I guess, and start figuring out that that's not where the action is. There's white oaks up there, but it's dry uh, they're not putting acorns off. And I start looking at that topographic map again and realizing that the places where I was finding acorns, you know, there was about a hundred foot range elevation wise. So I was started keying in, okay, hey, for whatever reason, I mean it was a particularly dry summer, but for whatever reason, the the trees that did well that produced a good crop are gonna be it about this elevation. So that was some more information I gathered. But, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking very few people uh, are going to sit and, and hunt all day, especially in this sort of heat. You know, I, I bet around lunchtime, this person's going to uh, gonna hit the road. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but my dog Ammo is absolutely losing his mind. Uh, to the point that I'm going to pause uh, and finish this in just one second.
All right, I'm back. Uh, that was my family coming back home. Uh, and the dog was doing what the dog is supposed to do, which is let me know that people are outside the house. So anyway, uh, I figured this fellow was going to leave midday. I go investigate and you know confirm uh, through the trees that the truck is gone. So at that point, I, I feel good. You know, I can go in there and uh, check out this spot, kind of spend the rest of the day up in a tree there. Uh, I had been just, you know, hunting, walking around on foot, but I had a climber in my truck. So, park the truck, try and sneak in there as quiet as I can. Uh, immediately, I, I realized, just looking at the tracks, that there was no fresh tracks in there. But, uh, I said, man, I'm here, I'm committed, let me go ahead and get up this tree. So, I shimmy up the tree. I'm getting myself situated. Uh, had not been in a tree for two seasons since I'd been up in a climber. It's not really my preferred way to hunt. I, I like creeping around. Uh, and there was just, you know, there was a couple things I was rusty for. Like I did, I realized I didn't have uh, my toe line, you know, like you climb up the tree, you got your bow on the ground, you need a rope to pull it up. And I'd realized that before I got to the tree, but uh, I actually found just some some weird kind of uh, poly cordage that I had in the truck there uh, and made that work. I got it pulled up, uh, realized I did not have uh, my, my hanging strap. So, you know, it's – I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but in Arkansas anyway, uh, on public land – it's you're not permitted to use like screwing hangers uh, into trees, right? They don't want you damaging trees that way. And so what you do is you have something that's essentially like a belt with a bunch of hooks hanging on it, and you can adjust that and strap it around a tree, tighten it up, cinch it down, and then you got some hangers. I mean, I do the same thing on like in the flooded timber when I'm duck hunting. It's the same strap, but I just didn't have it with me. And so I tried to hang my bow on uh, a little bit of a broken branch and it was not strong enough and it immediately just crashed to the ground. And so that's no bueno. So I shimmy back down the tree. I get my bow. I check it out. It looks all right. Uh, do the whole process again. Uh, and I'm realizing I forgot to mention on that first day of hunting, I saw a black bear uh, cross a forestry road, you know, couple hundred yards in front of me so I'm, I'm i'm very enthused at this point right like uh until last last year the first black bear i ever saw i killed uh so you know i saw black bear for you know maybe all in all 15 seconds 20 seconds before i let an arrow fly uh and that was my experience with black bears now i, I did get to have uh, another really cool experience in March, maybe April. I think it was April uh, when I got to go uh, on a den research study. Me and Marianne did, and that's where they like they 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 know where or they've got a collar, a tracking collar on a sow, and game and fish goes in there. Biologists go in there, and they sedate the bear and then they you know take blood samples 
from the bear. They monitor her vitals, and they check out what uh, what her babies look like, right? So this this bear had one cub. I got to hold the cub. I got to got to see the the mama bear. Uh, you know, while while she was laying there, just basically sleeping, uh, and that was a super cool experience. So you know, then at that point, I'm up to uh, three bears that I've actually laid eyes on. Uh, one in a hunting situation. So after that first day, then I had added a fourth one, and man, that's that's a huge deal. Like even some of the, I mean, the most experienced bear hunter I know has gone entire seasons without seeing a bear in Arkansas. So I feel extremely lucky. I feel enthused. Everything settles down. I'm back up in the tree. Uh, about four o'clock that afternoon, I hear something and I don't know how to describe it other than it sounds like a, sounds like a squirrel scurrying up a tree, but much larger. And I look in the direction that the sound comes from It's about a hundred yards away. And sure enough, there is a black bear. I'm watching a black bear climb up in a tree, and man, they do it remarkably quickly. Climb up in a tree and then start walking around on the branches uh, eating acorns. And I'm just flabbergasted, right? I, I can't believe I'm getting to see this. And this bear is close. Like literally, you know, to my eye, it looks 100 yards away. I ended up eventually getting down there and measuring it and it was 93 yards away but everything between me and this bear was just thick 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 i mean the leaves are like cornflakes it's crunchy and loud just greenbrier and poison ivy like crazy and the, the poison ivy is an inconvenience for sure but it, it's not something that prevents me from moving through it but that greenbrier was so thick i mean and all these scrub trees there was no way for me to get down out of that tree quietly and then get up on that bear uh, while it was still in that tree. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I just had to kind of settle uh, for a really cool experience. Uh, there was a truck that I heard in the distance coming towards that area. And I expected that bear to just kind of hang out in the tree and not worry about it. But that truck, Got, you know, several hundred yards away, uh, and that bear skedaddled. So uh, it was still like a, a incredibly cool experience, and I was, you know, realizing, man, I was so close. Uh, then about an hour later, I heard a four-wheeler, and that four-wheeler stopped directly parallel to me out towards where the road was. And I started hearing two guys, you know, start talking. Man, oh, there's a, there's a, I see a big old bear track, man. Let's go, let's go check this out, right? And I said, oh, shoot, they're coming in here. Uh, and so guy starts entering the woods there, and I whistle at him, right? And I hear one of them say, you hear a whistling? Keeps coming. I'm whistling again. Doesn't pay any mind. Then I see this guy. He starts hollering, man, this is a worn down trail. Man, oh, there's plenty of water in here. And this guy gets about 30 yards away. And I say, hey, I'm hunting. And he stops. Then he starts walking again. I say, hey, man, I'm hunting in here. 
And he says, oh, I'm sorry. And he turns around and walks out, which is, I mean, that's the right thing to do, all right? Now, the better thing to do would be to turn around, walk out. I mean, he told me he was sorry. I said, hey, it's totally fine. The better thing to do would be to walk out, tell your buddy, hey, man, there's somebody hunting there. Let's, let's get out of here as quiet as we can, right? That's not what happens. Instead, what happens is, you know, this this fella starts hollering about, man, we got to get a camera in there, man. And I said, all right, this spot's over and done with. So uh, I hung out a little bit longer, but I wasn't feeling too enthused. Like a bear had been in there, been run off. These guys had come in there. I was in there. I'd been up and down that tree already. Someone had been in there that morning. I saw that person's boot tracks in the mud. Just, you know, uh, best to do what I can with this situation, see what I can learn. So I get down. I go over to where uh, that tree was, and I start looking around, and I identify the tree. Now, it's it's kind of hard because stuff looks different when you're up in a tree, and as soon as you hit the ground, it looks totally, uh, totally different. But... I knew the general area. Uh, I get over there. I see on the side of the tree. You can tell where this bear has been climbing up it, right? There's marks on it. So I say, this is a tree. But, I mean, it's just thick, thick, thick there. There's, I mean, you'd have to, if you were going to set up on the ground to try and expect this bear to come back to that one tree, I mean, you'd, you'd be sitting up within 10 yards of the tree, right? Uh just didn't feel like a great spot. And I start looking around. I, I walked all the way around and did some circles. And I, I just wasn't finding like a ton of scatter or anything. So it, it was hard for me to determine that that was definitely a tree that this bear was coming back to. That there was no other trees this bear could go into. Uh, but I've still gained information. I've, I've learned some stuff. But I'm starting to realize like, look, this spot's getting hot. Uh, I, I need to move on. So, uh, what I decided to do is go on back home, handle some business, take care of some, take care of some, uh, no, no, that's not what I did. That is incorrect. That is not what I did. All right. I thought that sounded weird. What I did do was I drove off the mountain. I called my wife. I said, Hey, you'd be all right if I get a you know, I got to drive for a while, but I can find a little hotel and just spend the night and then come back, uh, come back over here and try and hunt tomorrow. And Marianne was gracious and said, yes, the reason I didn't want to camp out was kind of twofold. And it's something I really learned. Uh, I mean, there was poison ivy everywhere. I was the entire time I was hunting, I was at least knee deep in poison ivy. So, I mean, I had my pants tucked in. Uh, I, I felt like I wasn't, you know, just getting the poison ivy on my skin, but, and I, you know, I had like some wet wipes and stuff I was trying to clean my hands up with. I had gloves, all that stuff, but I mean, it's damn near a hundred degrees. I'm spending all day long in poison ivy. It just felt like, man, I need to be able to, uh, I had another pair of pants I could switch out of and a, an, another shirt. I said, man, it just feels like I need to be able to take this stuff off, put it in a bag, thoroughly wash myself, <laughs> you know, and to, if I did have any of that uh, oil on me. 
and and then hit it fresh in the morning. So that's what I do. Uh, I go and I find this just absolute shithole of a, a little motel. Uh, I mean, like legit, not nice, like stains all over the place. I stains on the bed to the point that I had to put towels down to lay on top of because I was, I was not feeling secure, uh, in the cleanliness uh, of that locale, but it did have water and it had a microwave and there was a Walmart, not too terribly far from it. So I was able to get something to throw in the microwave and charge my phone up and uh, get a little sleep. So I do that next day. I go out and I'm back in the woods hunting and I decide to go back to where I'd found all that sign the first day. Uh, I know there was a bear. I saw a bear in a tree, but that area just did not feel as good. And I knew it was going to start getting hot because people were keying in on it, right? So I just start going deeper into the woods there where I'd found that sign initially. And I start finding more trees that bears have been up in. And I start finding more scat. And what I'm also finding is, you know, the first tree I found that first day that a bear had been up in, looking at the leaves and how they had started to turn from that vibrant green to kind of start fading out. I I'd say it'd probably been about a week since those tree, those leaves had hit the ground. So, I mean, that's cool. That lets you know that there has been a bear there, but you're trying to find a place where a bear is. So I find another tree and the leaves are a little bit brighter. You know, maybe it was five days ago and I'm looking around and I'm looking around and I'm finding more trees and I'm finding more scat uh, but it all still seems like we're dealing with, you know, several days or, you know, three, four or five days since it'd been in there. And then I come across this enormous white oak. Most of the trees I was coming across, you know, were two feet in, two feet in diameter or so. And this was this massive, uh, this massive white, I might have said live oak, white oak uh, that, you know, two full grown men wouldn't be able to reach around it and hold hands. This was just massive. Uh, the reason I thought of live oak is because that's what it looked like is, you know, if you've ever seen those live oaks uh, from like the deep, deep South uh, with those kind of like sprawling, expansive branches that kind of arch out and come down low. That's what this looked like. And man, this, there were branches all over the ground and just the side of it, it was obvious that a, a bear had been up in this. And then about, 25 yards from there, I found just a fresh pile of bear scat, like a pile of scat that told me that that was from within 24 hours. So I'm feeling good about it. Uh, it's getting late into the afternoon. I find a spot to sit down about 50 yards off that big tree, uh, kind of in this, uh, it's definitely like a place that would hold water, uh, if, you know, if it was wet, but just a little dry pool or something. And I'm sitting down there and my plan is, you know, if a bear comes in, there's, there's still, I mean, all this stuff is thick, right? These bears want to be in stuff that is thick and they've got cover. They feel secure. Uh, I could see that big tree. I would not have about 50 yards off from it. I would not have a clear shot and I'm not comfortable making a 50 yard shot uh, with a bow anyway, but I was pretty comfortable with the fact that if a bear came in and got up in that tree, I would have time to just bum rush the tree and then uh, try and shoot a bear out of the tree. But 
I'm only there for like 30 minutes and I just cannot stand to be there anymore because the mosquitoes and flies are so bad. I just can't tolerate it. You know, I'm constantly swatting. I can't get any peace. It's just hot, still air, just miserable, right? So I decided to get up. I marked that spot. You know, I've been marking all these trees. I'm starting to get a real idea of what's going on in here. And I, I start moving, you know, very slowly back in the general direction uh, of where my vehicle is. And with the plan to just kind of investigate and maybe call it a day there. Uh, you know, I've, I've still got time. I've, you know, I've got the rest of that week. I mean, bear season is going to go until November. So I'm trying to put my ideas together. And I, uh, I go, I don't know, maybe 50 yards from that spot. And I see a tree that a bear's been up in. I mean, and like just a really beautiful example of one where you could see that not only had the bear climbed up in the tree, but the bear had kind of been standing there and scratching, right? So you had these five very distinctive lines about six inches long in several different places. And honestly, my first thought was, man, I should take a, take a little short video of this for my Instagram stories or something. And I get my phone in my hand and then I hear something. And I, I look over how far, probably 50, 60 yards, just a big, thick pile of gunch. I mean, it is thick, 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 thick. Uh, and I see a flash of black fur and I, and it's the noise is, it's just obvious that something with some size is pushing through that stuff. Right. And I realize that's a bear. And I see like the front of a muzzle. And then again, I see the front of a muzzle and I realize it's more than one bear and I'm puckered up because my thought is, you know, 50 or 60 yards away from me, there's a mama and some cubs. And this is, that's not a situation you want to be in with a bear, right? You don't want to be surprising a mama and her cubs. Uh, I mean, black bears are, very rarely dangerous to human beings, but that's a situation where they could be dangerous. Uh, and to, to add to that, I just watched the Revenant for the first time a couple weeks before. So I distinctly fresh in my mind, what a bear can do to you. But these two bears pop out and they are big. Uh, I told some buddies of mine, you know, the bear I killed last year, honestly, was pretty small. I mean, real talk, I don't think it was a 100-pound bear. Uh, and I'm fine with that, you know? Like, it's that was, a, that was the first bear I saw. That was the first bear I had seen. Uh, I made a good shot on it. I mean, I've got the heart with a – I mean, the arrow went through the heart. It died quickly. Uh, it's tasted good. Everything's been great on it. But this, these two bears that I saw were every bit, judging from how big that bear was and full bear mounts that I've seen at friends' places and knowing how much those bears weighed, I think these bears were every bit of 300 pounds. Uh, and they came out and they stopped about 25 yards away from me uh, between, you know, how two trees will, or a tree will split into like a V and grow up. They stop right on the other side of that, and they start wrestling with each other. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Playfully, they're wrestling with each other and 
just look like they're playing, and it's amazing. And I'm sitting there, and I've got my bow in. I'm standing there, and i got my bow in my hand. I'm leaned up against this tree, and I cannot move. I mean, everything around me is just crunchy, corn flaky leaves. I cannot move. And I'm just watching this. And then one of the bears kind of walks back 15 or 20 yards into the thick stuff, and the other bear just kind of lays there and rolls around and loafs. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I get a shot? When that first bear walked off to the left to go back into the thick stuff, I was able to get a get an arrow on my string. I got drawn back, just never had a clear shot. And as I was trying to lower it, I guess my finger hit the trigger as it was almost, the string was almost all the way down. And the arrow flew off and stuck into a tree root about one yard away from me. But the bears didn't seem to notice at all. So then I key in on this other bear that's still there, and I'm waiting for it to come out and present a shot. And then it sticks its nose up, and it catches my wind. And it starts sniffing around. And it stands up, and I feel like I've got a shot at it. I mean, it's close. I got a hole I can shoot through in that stuff. I take aim. I try and concentrate put my sight on uh, on the bear's vitals, and I shoot, and the bear doesn't move. It just kind of looks, and I can tell from the sound that I hit ground. I did not hit the bear, and I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm like, man, I guess I, I, guess I hit something or, you know, hit a piece of green briar or whatever. So I, I've got three killing arrows with me in my quiver. Two of them are now gone. And I get that third one out, and that bear takes a couple steps forward where I have a better shot. Still having to shoot through a hole, but I got a hole that's probably as big as a pie pie plate at this time. And I take my time, and I aim, and I shoot, and I hear a big whack, like a thwack. And the bear jumps and runs kind of towards me, caddy corner, and stops about 20 yards away from me, just clear as can be, nothing in between us. And then it just kind of slowly walks off. doesn't look like it's hurt. kind of don't know what's happening. I, I want to run up and check the arrows, but I make myself wait. I wait there for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, uh, I get the arrow that's in the root, get that back. I go down. I find the first arrow. It's down low in the ground. Uh pick it up i check it out there's no blood anywhere there's no hair there's i mean zero sign that it hit which makes sense and then i see the other arrow and it's sticking out of the side of a tree and i dig that arrow out and there's no blood there's no hair there's no sign that it hit a bear and standing next to the tree this this arrow is at like buckle height right i looked I follow the exact path that the bear walked. It was a lot of the stuff that the bear ran through was thick. So, you know, I'm thinking if I've wounded this bear, at least there's going to be blood somewhere. There's nothing anywhere. I'm looking at these arrows. There's nothing. And I'm just kind of flabbergasted, but you know, it looks like I've completely missed this bear twice. And I am momentarily really disappointed in myself. But then I'm incredibly thankful that I have not wounded this animal. 
uh, really that bear didn't booger off or anything. It just kind of jumped at a loud noise, you know, did a little 20 yard away skedaddle and then slowly headed off. And while I was picking up those arrows, that other bear was still right over there. I realized that other bear is 15 or 20 yards away from me in the thick stuff as it starts to move off. So I, as quickly and quietly as I can, I back out of there and uh, make a plan. And, oh, sorry, I forgot this part. When I was getting those arrows, I look around, and there's fresh bear scat, five, pa- five piles of fresh bear scat as damn near as big as my head. And I mean fresh like from that day. So those bears had been in there eating, hanging out, kicking it right there, and then just going back into the thick stuff to sleep or hang out, take a rest during the middle of the day. And so I'm starting to put this picture together. You know, I saw the first bear cross that uh, forestry road at 5 o'clock at night. I saw the other bear in the tree at 4. This happened at about 3.30 in the afternoon. So I'm realizing what I've heard anecdotally from people is that, you know, these bears seem to be most active in the latter half of the day, right? So uh, I've got to be, i got to get home. Because that next day, I've got stuff to do in the middle of the day. I can't stay another day. So I make the plan that I'm going to drive home, handle my stuff, and then get up on Thursday, come back here. Get into this spot, sneak in here as quietly as I can with a climber, get up in a tree, because that climber would do two things for me. One, it would get my scent up above them. uh, And two... It would get me up above all that scruff and gunch because all of that kind of stopped at about six feet. So I'm thinking if I can get up above that, then I'll have a clear shot. Uh, and there was a worn down path, you know, or bears, those bears. And I'm figuring these two bears have been coming in and out for a while and just hanging out in this area. So I do that. You know, kind of disappointed in myself, but really stoked about the experience. And honestly, the the disappointment kind of fades pretty quickly. Go do whatever I got to do. I'm not able to get back up there till about 1 o'clock on Thursday. And then I start trying to sneak down to this spot. Now, I knew the predominant wind direction was supposed to be like out of the northeast, which was pretty good for this area, for me trying to get down there and approach it, right? That should be, hopefully, if the bears were down where they were before, like that should be, the wind should be going from the bears to me. So I start sneaking in there. I got a bottle of wind detector, you know, which is just a little squeeze bottle with an inert powder in it, just a, I don't know what it is, probably baking soda or talc or something, just a little white powder with no smell to it. And you just give it a little puff, and it you puff it up into the wind, and whatever way the wind's blowing, this makes it very obvious. So between that and just feeling the wind on my face, the wind had picked up a little bit. It was probably about 8 to 10 miles per hour that day. Uh, the wind was kind of going northwest, from the northwest and then from the northeast, and just kind of switching back and forth. So I was zigzagging my way trying to work around the wind, but, you know, I still had the wind generally coming from where the bears seemed to be to where I was. So 
It took about an hour for me to sneak my way down into this spot. Uh, I find the tree I want to get up into, and so not exactly on top of where I was before, you know, about 20 yards away from there. And I get up in that tree and just start hanging out. I decide to try and be as, you know, prepared as I can. So, you know, I've got my strap this time. I I picked up a, a, a tow line so I get that uh, arrow up in there. And I had actually gone to the store that morning and gotten a new pack of broadheads. I shoot G5 Montex, which is just a, it's like a three blade, all one piece construction uh, broadhead. And, you know, I'm specific, it looks like a muzzy, if you've ever seen a muzzy broadhead, but I'm specifically shooting this because I wanted something that was kind of as strong as it could be for these bears. And I had killed a bear with it last year. And I killed three turkeys uh, with that same setup this year. I, I felt good about it. Uh, and when I got those and I was switching out, you know, those dulled, beat-up broadheads that I'd shot in the trees and broke one of them trying to dig it out of the tree and hit the tree roots and all that, uh, I realized what the problem was that, that day before. And that was that I shoot 100-grain broadheads, and I had mistakenly picked up a pack of 85-grain broadheads. Uh, it was very obvious uh, because when I was replacing them, they were substantially smaller than the ones I was putting on. And I realized what had happened was just the weight was off, so those arrows just kind of flew crazy. One flew low, one flew high and wide, and uh, that's why I missed that bear. So I've got my setup dialed. I had shot my bow to confirm, you know, back at home to confirm that the sight wasn't off from when I dropped it out. I was still hitting doorknobs. Uh, I had the right broadheads. Everything was good. Uh, I felt like I was there in plenty of time, and my plan was just to hunt until dark. I had Thursday, and I had Friday if I needed it. I was going to go stay at that same gross motel. Uh, but, you know, my thought was, come Saturday, there's going to be deer hunters in here. So, like, this is my time to try and make this happen. I'm in the tree, four hours. I'm working on a writing project. I work on the writing project, stand up the whole time. And, uh, oh, I also forgot this. When I got up in the tree and got myself settled, uh, my phone fell out of my pocket. And so my phone was on the ground, which was no big deal. I got no reception anyway. I didn't need to use Onyx because I was where I was going to be. Only thing that that inhibited was me being able to check the time. So I just kind of worked on my project. I scanned around constantly. I sat down a few times in about four and a half hours just to give my feet a break for five minutes at a time. I think I sat down like two or three times. When I started watching the sun get lower and lower, I'm thinking, ah, it's probably about 5. It's probably about 5.30. Oh, we're coming on 6. You know, maybe I got about an hour of light left. Uh, You can hunt until 30 minutes past sunset, but especially there in the trees, like when the sun starts setting, you know, you get to about official sunset and uh, it starts to be too dark. Uh, I mean, you can't even really see your pins anymore, right? You don't need to be taking a shot. So about the time I decide, uh, you know, I'm done working on this project for the day. Put my pad in my pocket there. 
kind of stretch my back out. And within a minute of that, I hear something. And I look, and there's a black bear 25 yards away from me. And it stopped, and it's kind of smelling. And I'm thinking, there's no way this can happen. I can't get my bow. This thing's going to see me. I'm only like 10 feet up in a tree. But I slowly reach. And this is something I've learned over the years with deer. And even more so, so I'm realizing with bear. Like, bear don't act like deer. They are not as finicky. They're, they're not a prey animal. Like, the only thing that they've got to worry about is a person. So they don't spend their whole life with everything trying to get them the way a deer does. Uh, a deer is just freaked out all the time, right? A bear is not like that. So I slowly reach over. I get my, I get my bow. I've got my release. I use an old release. It's just like one of those wrist releases. Uh, I've already got an arrow on the string. I get the bow in my hand, uh, and I'm watching this bear. And what I'm realizing is that I had come in the woods and kind of stopped where that bear had stopped, and then I decided to move over about 20 yards to the tree that I was in. And so that bear just kind of had its nose down and was looking up a little bit and put its nose down. It was just generally following the steps that I had taken, kind of seeing like, what is this, right? And the bears, but the bear's coming towards me. And that's exciting too, because it's cutting the distance, but then you get a full on frontal shot. That's not great. So um, I'm sitting there, gets about 12 yards away from me or so, and I draw back but I don't have a great shot on it yet. But I can hold that, I can hold it back, you know, 30 seconds or so before it starts to be a real pain. Uh, and I, you know, eventually you start having too much tension and you kind of get a little shimmy and that's not a great shot either. So I'm trying to pay attention to all of this. The bear takes some more steps forward and it gets broadside to me at five yards. I'm 10 feet up in a tree. This bear's broadside at to me at, Five yards away, I put the pin where I want it to be, and I release, and bam, hit the bear. The bear flips onto its back. Uh, the arrow went in. Because of the angle I was at, it went in kind of high, like where I wanted, but angled down high, and then it went down through, uh, hit the lungs, and then hit the backside of another rib, and so it was... Uh, there was still some of that the air on the fletching sticking out. The bear like bites at it, and uh, you know expires. Uh, I mean, within sight. I mean, it, the the bear dies about twenty yards away from me. So uh, I get down. You know, take some deep breaths. Get down. I watch that bear for a couple minutes. Make sure it's not breathing anymore. Get down and get over it. And I can't believe it. Right? It's bigger than the bear last year. I, th I think from the pictures that I posted on Instagram, and th there's no subterfuge here, I think bears just, they kind of read bigger than, or they they can read bigger than they actually are, just with the photo. Uh, I mean, this was an average Arkansas uh, black bear, you know, a sow. This this bear was not a 300-pound bear. I, I think realistically this bear was probably 130 pounds, you know, just about average. Might have been a little bit more. I mean, it was hard to drag around and move and stuff for sure. But, I mean, I weigh 
I weigh more than this bear does. But still, like, nothing I'm embarrassed by, nothing I'm ashamed of, like, super proud. It's just so incredibly validating. Uh, you know, just years of trying to learn to read sign and getting better at it and just days and days and days in the woods in previous years just finding nothing. Uh, and a lot of this is just a learning process, right? Like mostly what I did was find where bears weren't and find where sign wasn't and start to uh, understand why bears did not want to be in the places that they were or that they were not. Uh, and then really this year figuring out why they were in the places that they were. And uh, this was not one of the bears that I had seen the, the day before, right? So I'm, I'm even more excited, right? But uh, it is 6.30 at this point. You know, light's getting low. Uh, it's not as hot as it had been. It was probably about 80 degrees, but, I mean, still, you need to get on this bear and start taking care of the meat. And so I take a couple pictures real quick, and I, uh, you know, open up the bear, uh, get the innards out, save the heart. Uh, I mean, and honestly, man, it was, I was kind of, uh, kind of impressed, man. Like it was, I just kind of hit like a calm space. I was able to open it up really quickly. I was able to get everything pulled out without nicking anything. And all that was real, real quick and clean. Uh, and then I'm starting to skin it. Right. And I hear something and look up. And about 35 yards away in that thick stuff, there is a huge, huge black bear walking. And I start hollering, hey, bear, hey, hey, bear, hey, get out of here, bear, get out of here. And I expect that bear to just vamoose, and that bear does not. That bear hangs out there and just kind of sits there. And I'm freaked out because normally I'm not worried about you know, these bears, I mean, like I'm expecting a bear to run away if it even knows I'm there. Uh, but the other problem was I realized that I had made a mistake and I had left my headlamp in my truck. So it's getting dark on me. I'm sitting here with a gut pile and a bag of meat. And there is a really big black bear. Uh, I think it was one of those bears I'd seen uh, the day before. Cause I would say this bear was every bit of 300 pounds. Uh, and eventually that bear kind of walked off, you know, but it took a few steps and I couldn't see it anymore. And the light's low. It's in thick stuff. Uh, kind of disconcerting. So I'm working on this bear as quick as I can. I'm about to lose light. And I don't have a pack and I don't have a way to haul it out of there. And it's just going to, like, I got my cell phone, but I'm not going to be able to hold this cell phone and, and break this bear down and all that. So... I get my stand, I get my bow, and I just hump it out of there as quick as I can while the light's fading on me. Uh, I get back to my truck. I've parked my truck away because, you know, I don't want to be letting people know where I'm hunting exactly. So I got to hike to my truck. I get to my truck. It's dark, fully dark. You know, put my uh, stand in there and my bow. I've got no reception, so I can't let anybody know what's happening. But uh, I dig my headlamp out of the truck. I get my truck closer, uh, as close as I can get it, and 
then I take my pack. I've got this really cool uh, pack from Mystery Ranch. And I get back down in there. And look, I am... I can get around the woods, especially with Onyx. I mean, without Onyx, I wouldn't feel near as as comfortable with it. But uh, I still, I got twisted around a little bit, even following my track and knowing where I was going, you know. And, but I get back down there to the bear, and I start working, and I'm just singing the whole time, just trying to make noise, trying not to be freaked out, you know, and and kind of just get to the work of it. Which after a few minutes, I just kind of settled into it. I stopped being freaked out about the bear, uh, or about another bear coming in. I'm making plenty of noise, singing songs, and just really kind of a joyful experience. So I get this bear broke down, skinned out. You know, the meat looks great. There's fat on this bear. Uh, I had my pack. I didn't have game bags, but I had a bunch of old pillowcases. So I'm putting quarters in pillowcases. I'm, uh, you know, if if you just use like a stout knife, you can absolutely take the ribs out, out of like a deer or a bear just by getting up into the rib socket and popping it out. So I'm doing that, getting the ribs off. I got a bag for trim, blah, blah, blah. I get this bear all broken down. So I've got the hide in the head. I've got the four quarters. I've got a bag of trim. I've got the ribs. And so I load up part of it into the pack and I hump that out, and it's work, and I'm going uphill too, and it's work, but it's not it's not just the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Hauling that elk out on my back was way, way worse over there in Utah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm getting tired. I mean, part of it too, just from being hunched over and your back starts hurting because you're hunched over and you're breaking that bear down, you're trying to move quick and all that stuff. Now, I had prepared ahead of time. I had a good Yeti cooler in the truck, and I had 60 pounds of ice in there just ready for that. If I did get a bear, I could get in there and start getting it cooled down immediately. So I get the meat back to the truck. I get it unloaded, get it on ice, and then turn back around and head back down in there. Uh, and I really probably had about two more trips worth. Uh, but I was, man, I was tired. I was starting to get, I'd get high enough at some point that I could get a text. Marianne's texting me. She's getting a little worried because she hasn't heard from me. It's, I mean, it's getting late. And I said, man, I got, I'm just going to get this out in one last trip. So I just load it up. I can't even close the pack all the way up. I'm like kind of wrapping straps around it to, to keep it uh, from everything from spilling out. I got the hide in there, which, uh, I mean, that hide in that head is heavy. Uh, I got a got a pillowcase with the ribs in it that I got slung over my shoulder and I start humping this out of there and man, this thing's heavy. You know, I get about a third of the way and I got to stop, catch my breath for 10 or 20 seconds. And then I get another third, do the same thing. Then I finally get out of there and I'm just pushing through Greenbrier. You know, on the way in, I was taking the quietest way possible. This way, I'm just trying to get the most direct route out. I finally get back to the truck. I get that pack off. Man, it feels like feel like you're gonna float away. Uh, as my friend Brad says. And I get that pack off. I get everything loaded up in the cooler. It's, I mean, this is a big Yeti cooler. Uh, I forget what size it is, but it's huge. And it took up every bit of it. I get the thing slid back in my truck bed. Uh, use some wet wipes, get my hands cleaned up. 
about 9.30 at night, uh, get in the truck, start it up, get a big lug of water, and start heading down the mountain. Just feeling good. I mean, feeling so validated, feeling so proud, just stoked to get to where I can get a signal out and call Marianne and let her know what's up. And, uh, <laughs> like, that's pretty much the end of the story. I mean, the last little thing that happened was uh, that I start coming down the mountain. I mean, and it takes 30 minutes. 35 minutes to even get to blacktop. Uh, about five minutes after I start driving, my low low fuel light comes on. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a ways. I mean, damn near an hour from a gas station. So I put it in neutral and just try and kind of coast down the mountain and whatever, yada, yada, yada. I... Uh, I mean, I like roll into this gas station in this little town where the gas station's closed and everything's dark, but you can run your car and get gas. So I do that and uh, I end up getting home about 1230, 1245 in the morning and uh, I mean, just beat down. I mean, to the to the point that I was so tired, I just took my clothes off out in the carport walked inside, just went to the guest room and went to sleep in the guest room. I, I didn't even, I couldn't even bring myself to take a shower and there's no way I was going to bring my gross behind into the bed <laughs> with another person. So I just did that and I woke up in the morning and took a shower and, you know, did all the, took the kids to school and stuff. But man, it was a great hunt. Uh, you know, I got to see six bears and four four days of hunting, which is a tremendous amount. Uh, you know, really validating to just honestly to find a lot of sign. Uh, really cool to just go into a place blind and start learning an area years ago and then finally have it kind of pay off. And like I said, I killed a bear there last year, but I didn't feel like I earned it. I feel like I earned this one. Uh, and then all of it, man, like packing it out on my back in the dark and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, it was just work and, but I could like feel it. I could feel it in my muscles. I could feel it in my sinew. Uh, you know, I was tired and slept well cause I was exhausted and, you know, had a mishap. But, uh, you know, if you're going to have a mishap, if you're going to miss an animal, like you want to miss the animal, you don't want to wound it. So I was so thankful and grateful that I didn't hurt that animal. And then I was able to go back in there uh, with a plan and uh, execute it. So that's the story of my 2022 bear hunt. You know, in Arkansas, you get one bear tag. So I'm done bear hunting for the year. Uh, and I'm... Uh, gonna take a break from the solo podcast, so uh, we'll get back on a regular schedule. Uh, we'll have some really cool guests coming up here soon, and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you guys have questions, I can tell you what I know about bear hunting, which isn't that much, but uh, you know, I guess I have learned some stuff. And uh, man, I'd encourage you to try it if you haven't done it before. It's it's a very different experience. You're not going to be validated by seeing tons of animals. But uh, it's, it's just a very different experience. And I talked about this with Meyer Means too. 
I mean, a bear almost feels like a sacred animal, right? Like it, it just moves different and it acts different. And, uh, there's just something that's hard to describe about it. Uh, but it's, it's a really special thing. And, uh, man, you know, I, I look forward to being able to do that, you know, hunt bears some more. Uh, I mean, the meat is fantastic. I, I prefer it to venison. I mean, venison's good and I got plenty of that, but bear meat's better. Uh, anybody who tells you that it's no good, uh, I would, I mean, as long as this isn't a bear that's just living off a of fish, cause I'm sure that could impart, you know, a little bit of an off flavor, but I, I bet you that nine out of 10 times when someone says bear meat's no good is because they didn't get that thing gutted and broke down and skinned and processed efficiently and quickly. And that's a big animal. It's got a big heavy fur coat on it. Get that thing cleaned and broken down and get the heat dissipated as quickly as possible. Uh, and you'll have really good quality meat, uh, have a plan to take care of it. And I mean, we're going to, we'll be eating on that bear for the rest of the year. I'll be able to share it with family and friends. Uh, just the other day, uh, the in-laws came over and we had, did a bear stroganoff. It was, it was real tasty. Leftovers were good the next day. And, uh, I got the belly meat off it. I'll be making bear bacon. I'm going to cure and smoke a bear ham, plenty of burger. Uh, I'm going to do like some uh, black bear bone marrow compound butters, just all sorts of cool stuff and get the hide tan. I'm, I'm even thinking about taking some of the claws and uh, making some necklaces for the girls. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Black Duck Revival Podcast all the way through. As always, it's produced by me, Jonathan Wilkins, and Brian Sachs. Check me out on Instagram. The handle is Black Duck Revival. You can check out the website. That's blackduckrevival.com for writings, for more podcasts, for recipes and whatnot, and uh, to see what we have available as far as classes and hunt experiences few spots left we do have sold out hunts but there are a few spots left if you guys want to come chase speckle belly geese with me this year it's going to be a blast if you have not done so yet i'd be so thankful if you would leave a review over on spotify or on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps tremendously. A five-star review and taking a few minutes to just write a written review is a big deal. It helps with the algorithm and it gets this podcast in front of more people. I feel so thankful. Uh, the last few weeks, I've gotten some messages from folks that are listening to the podcast and enjoying it. And one of my favorite things is folks that listen to the podcast that aren't, you know, hunters or anglers or you know they're not uh, actively pursuing that kind of stuff in the outdoors but they see value in this podcast because of the conversations we're having and the interesting folks we're having those conversations with and the stuff that we're talking about because i think a lot of this uh, is resonant for folks no matter what you're doing right because ultimately this is about making your own way in the world and isn't that what we're all trying to do so thanks so much for listening 
See you next time.